0: The official podcast of the National Museum of the Surface Navy, in affiliation with the Surface Navy Association's Battleship Iowa chapter. We're kind of going, uh, I don't know, out a little rogue, a little rogue yeah. today, because we had a little problem with the wireless down in the training center, so we're up in the conference room in Battleship Iowa today, and we've got a returning guest with us we have Joe Sankowis who's actually out in Maine right now and uh, I'm Marianne Bangler I'm here with Mike Getcher our COO. and we're in the conference room and we're gonna talk a little weather
1: yeah this is actually our little office here so yeah the three three of uh, a handful of Mariners here aboard the ship um, talking about weather um, it's been interesting it just I was reflecting this last week on the fact that over the last you know eight or nine years we've had at least a hundred thousand dollars in weather related damage here in the the main channel of Los Angeles Harbor, and it's kind of a, a crazy thing. Some people would not really think that you're gonna have that kind of problem, but we have a static vessel. We're tied up uh, you know, permanently, essentially, here, and uh, basically we have problems with any storm from the south. We have a surge issue. Um, I think uh, most of the storms, and Joe, correct me if my language is wrong, I I don't remember. I I remember just enough to get in trouble, but they formed down off the East Pacific rise, um, the the hurricanes or cyclones, whatever they call them there on on this side of the the ocean. Um, And I remember, too, my my, uh, time uh, years ago now, just as a professional mariner working down around Florida and uh, and running from hurricanes all the time, you know, big ones. And we would watch as two or three of them at least would would, uh, head across from the, the west side of Africa and come you know, barreling up towards either the Gulf of Mexico or the East Coast. And, and uh, you know, here we can't really run. Obviously, we're not getting underway. But we reach out to you a lot for things uh, and uh, and jump right into weather-related discussions. And you've been a huge help for us. Uh, the, the weather buoy system has been available to us. We get all of the updates direct from the National Weather Service. Um, and this last storm was kind of wild for us. We, we heard a lot. Um, there's a certain amount of hoopla that went with this one. Uh, Hurricane Hillary, which was downgraded, as I recall, fairly quickly. Uh, The media stuck with the the hurricane moniker for some days, actually, afterwards. And it was kind of interesting. There's that weird balance that I I wanted you to maybe comment on between, uh, you know, crying wolf and and saying, hey, there's a real problem here. And uh, because even here in Los Angeles, uh, I've heard from several people that, uh, you know, the toilet paper was flying off the the shelves again at the, the markets. And um, I wouldn't say there was a run in the market, but, you know, I usually go at 6 a.m. on, on Sunday morning and there's five people in the, you know, the market and there was like 30 or 40, you know, grabbing stuff on Sunday morning, just trying to get ready for the big one. And of course, it made landfall down south in, in Baja and went inland and uh, created quite a bit of muddy havoc. Uh, up the you know the the center of the state and then i don't know is that the same one that hit um, burning man too but anyways that's kind of the the gist of this we we did jump ahead and and prepare for it but uh kind of wild you know it was going to be the biggest storm uh, of the the century almost and uh, literally here it was just a heavy rainstorm so joe that's obviously a a huge part of your world
2: so yeah let let me frame so I work for the Ocean Prediction Center, NOAA, uh, uh, Weather Service, and my office basically has warning responsibility for the western North Atlantic and the central and eastern North Pacific. Uh, and in fact, we do offshore forecasts as far south as uh, Guadalupe Island. Our colleagues at the National Hurricane Center, Tropical Analysis and Forecast Branch, have the responsibility so- south of that. The way that we do tropical cyclones, at least in your area and in the Atlantic, is all done by the National Hurricane Center, uh, located in Miami. So they do they do to 140 degrees uh, west uh, longitude, and from there on the NOAA side is picked up by the Central Pacific Hurricane Center, which is in Honolulu, Uh, and everybody is a piece already this year of their. uh, uh events uh where there've been several that have actually made it uh, from the east pacific uh westward to, to pass south of hawaii uh and as i'm sitting here right now in maine um there's hurricane lee we're about 3 days away from the peak of atlantic hurricane season and so uh the, uh, the 10th of september the graph kind of goes like this and that's the 10th of september for the atlantic uh and we have hurricane lee which just uh, uh, in the last hour has been upgraded to a category four uh, storm uh, it's gone through rapid intensification something we can anticipate now uh, based on observations and, and our uh, modeling uh, uh, capabilities uh, and is expected to come past somewhere to the west of bermuda uh, still to be determined uh, miss the Antilles and the and the islands and uh, either the Canadian Maritimes or even where I am here in Maine, we're on the left uh, uh, fringe right now of the potential. So back to, to Baja and, and Hillary, it, there's always that risk of, of uh, I won't say overwarning. We, you know, we, we have a role, the official role of the forecast, and we, we are very judicious at monitoring storms and actually representing the, 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 the hazards, the threats. So uh, landfall, these are ocean storms. They thrive on the heat and the moisture from the ocean. Um, It's kind of an interesting thing. If a storm is very, very slow moving, it actually processes the heat so quickly that it actually upwells cold water. And to the point where it actually can start to weaken the storm because the, the heat is, is uh, gone there's a finding with hurricane in 2011 irene that went uh, into new york was just moving at a rate and was in an area where there's a relatively shallow warm water and deeper cold water and actually its own winds upwelled uh, underneath the cold water and actually that the uh Landfalling hurricane in long island basically was weaker than anticipated wow um so and that took a couple of years to kind of uh, you know studies to to figure that out so there is that relationship um hillary i i you know on the precipitation side is one thing and i'm not going to go 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 into that on the other side as far as the ocean side um i mean there is a, as, as mike was saying there is a vulnerability to the south for the port of long beach in la and actually the, the, the beaches um southern california orange county is known for surfing the bulk of that surf is actually waves that are generated in the hem- in the southern hemisphere in the storm track south of australia and south of new zealand uh and they uh, it is a global ocean when it comes to wave propagation so wave energy keeps going until it dissipates and how does it dissipate it shoals and breaks though surf breaking and then also uh it grounds basically so, or it can refract. Uh, in other words, if there's a breakwater, hmm, let me think, like off of you guys, yeah. you can see it in the and you can see in the wave buoys that are just offshore off of San Pedro and Long Beach, that you'll actually see the refraction of the waves' energy coming back out wow. off of the breakwaters in the buoy data. So you almost like you see a mirror of the of the wave energy coming back the other way oh, in, cool. in the graphics. Yeah, I, I think it's a cool thing. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so back back to Hillary. So tropical cyclones are relatively small. Okay, that may not seem when you look at a state level or uh, you know a, t- a city level, then they're, they're not. But when you actually look on a global level, they're relatively small, and the wind fields, the areas that that really produce the big waves, are indeed re- relatively. It's a it's a narrow band. Associated with the eye wall outward, and depending on the motion of the storm, tends to be most efficient on the right side of the of the motion. So, in the northern hemisphere, if the storm is moving like Hillary was moving north northwest, then it would be the northeast side of the storm that actually, or east and northeast side of the storm, that is favored for wave production. So, in the case of Hillary, that area actually appears to have gone, moved over the Baja, so the favored area was actually sort of cut off for wave generation. Doesn't mean it didn't make waves, it did make waves, but the, the sort of the, the window for Southern California was basically a bit truncated because of the shape of Baja uh, landing. If, and well within our forecast skill, if Hillary had stayed a little bit farther offshore within the cone, um, then it's conceivable that the, the wave situation would have been different as far as uh, in Southern California. so taking preparation, uh, that's well within the bounds. There's, there's nothing if you're behind in preparations or you can't you didn't prepare, and then conditions are worse, then you're you're going to reap the benefit of that, you yeah. know, which is not a good good benefit
1: and we'd rather uh, over prepare. There's no question. I think perhaps part of my yeah. comment is, you know the the frenzy on the media about it and in the local populace um, at the professional level i was you know receiving from you and from other sources here in la you know the official information you know sector l.a long beach of course and i think you even forwarded that to me and then the navy in the navy um, the navy of course came out and and ordered all of the capable vessels to get underway out of san diego including the nuclear carriers and any vessel incapable of getting underway to double up on mooring lines and drop their hook. And, and we did essentially the same thing that day. Um, you know, it's a pretty good trigger. And we don't mind preparing that like that f- for now. You know, it's, it's something you want to do. There's been a couple of times we've been hit by much more moderate storms and lost to awnings just because we weren't watching. You know, and so I'd much rather be on top of things. And given the, the surge conditions that we've experienced here and frankly how frightening they are, I'm not going to ignore that. Uh, But kind of just interesting, I think, uh, partly social maybe is part of my my comment here, that we overreact sometimes and don't really know what to do. Uh, They're not minimizing the mud. My gosh, in Palm Springs, it was horrible. You know, the five-foot walls of mud coming through. And I was going to ask you, is it the same storm or system that went all the way up to uh, Burning Man in Nevada?
2: I believe so. I mean, I I have friends who work uh, weather service in Oregon, and uh, they were within... You know, basically the the precipitation shield at one point, so it did go, would have gone up over uh, 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 burnt, uh, that Burberry. area, yeah. and it had been extremely dry. The monsoon oh, had, yeah. um, really hadn't kicked in, and Hillary was sort of the delivery of the monsoon. Uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, has, has kicked in somewhat since then. Um, it pr- preparation, it's you know. For the more frequent areas that are hit by tropical cyclones, I mean, it's a me- me- it is a season. And uh, uh, say the, on, on the Atlantic side, you know, it's earlier on, on the Pacific side. It's like May 15th is mm-hmm. the beginning of uh, hurricane season. Um, and I know there's been discussions about possibly even pushing that back to May 1st, uh, just, by, just by example. Um, so, I mean, there, there are things to prepare for uh potentially if you're in an area that is frequented by the by them if not that becomes more of a challenge on the communication side as to what exactly do you do you know in mountain rain uh you know wind uh preparation which you do get wind in california obviously you know sure. santa anna mm-hmm. is uh a little bit more predictable uh in a sense because they're bound by uh, basically it's a out- outfall between uh, the mountain passes uh uh but still destructive you know, very very oh, gusty yeah. uh dry wind and and and, and gusty um, so that's an end you know Cold fronts that come with associated with the low pressure systems uh, can be, you know, quite severe. As I, I think the awnings that uh, you mentioned were with the sure. wind associated with uh, with that.
1: There was almost uh, no wind here. In fact, I don't even think that the vessel moved a, yeah,
0: toward, toward the evening. Like when it hit around mm-hmm. eight nine o'clock, yeah, we had some much pretty heavy gusts. But com- comparatively speaking, even to yeah. January, Even
1: no. Talking to Chief Moser, who stayed aboard the ship all night. You know, he said that it didn't move more than eighteen inches. I mean, wow. literally, it was that calm. Um, and so. And that's fine. I mean, I'd much rather have you know the hook out. We went through a procedure to drop our anchor, and not not to to prevent us from moving, but rather if, if something really gone bad, we had a, a leg in the water, if you will. But uh, you know, and I'm glad once again that we prepped. But, but still it still was kind of a, a, a nothing burger, you know. Here, thank God, but uh, not so much inland.
2: So, so in in the well, even in the last year. So I can think of three events that. To, you've had to prepare for and had, had uh, impacts. Hillary was one, obviously, uh, and went through the exercise of, of dropping an, an, you know, dropping an anchor. Um, the, the, in January, uh, you know, we use the, the, you know, on the science side, we use the language of uh, atmospheric rivers, right. and you know, uh, that's a piece of of that. Typically, it's a deep tropical moisture feed that the westerlies, the jet stream, has picked up and is laden with moisture and comes inland. Now, what kind of gets a little bit forgotten is, with in order to be able to do that, basically you have to have temperature contrast in the atmosphere. You have to have a jet stream. And the jet stream exists because of temperature contrast below it. So what that means, if you have temperature contrast, you have cyclones. Not tropical cyclones, but mid-latitude or extratropical cyclones. Exotropical meaning non, non-tropical. Winter ocean storms. So January 3rd through 5th was the lead with an atmospheric river event, was a massive storm off of Northern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, produced hurricane force winds offshore, but then also produced uh, an area of, uh, sig- of what we call significant wave heights. It's one number that actually means a distribution of uh, waves 14 meters in height, 46, 47 feet, uh, on uh, over over an average, uh, over an area, uh, big waves. Um, That was the first event that actually, so that wave energy made it all the way into uh, LA Long Beach Basin, Mm -hmm. and actually made it up into uh, where you're moored. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, and in fact, I remember right, one of the buoys, the San Pedro buoy, Had a maximum wave height of I think thirty-seven feet, which is Is that the one? Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, and that was that
0: was the night that was that the night we were moving so much where everybody was watching that
2: day or two range. Yeah,
1: so yeah, that's those are the moments to scare us. Literally, those are the the times, the handful of days in my existence here now twelve years on the ship that that really get your your juice is flowing because um, seeing a 45,000 ton vessel going back and forth like that is frightening.
0: It was such a weird contrast, too, because on the one hand, as a mariner, you're looking at it going, oh, God, oh, God, this is not good. But as, you know, the other side of you as a mariner is watching the ship go 15 feet forward and aft and roll through a full degree and going, it's like we're underway. It's cool. (laughs) So there's that mixed reaction to it. I like, but, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't want this here, but this is kind of cool.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, once again, $100,000 damage over, you know, eight or nine years or so, about 50000 this year alone. But for us, and we don't even apply for insurance for things like this, but at least this one, because there were so many events. Even from the insurance company perspective, they're like going, which storm caused the damage? Well, yeah. This one did this, this one did that, this one did that, you know, this did not, it's not worth it. But we have to think about that as a, as a business here and, and also, of course, as Mariners. So dropping the hook was fun. You know, kind of fun. I mean, it's it's a it's a thirty thousand pound anchor, Joe. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I first lifted one uh, up in Sassoon Bay when we brought aboard the port uh, when she was moored up in Sassoon. They had both of the bowers out, and as I recall, on the port side they had six or seven shots. Uh, wow! And you know, on the starboard, we couldn't recover wow. it up there because um, uh, they they'd lost the brakes on their their crane barge. They basically had to lift the thirty thousand pound anchor and allow us to pull the anchor and the barge into the ship to recover it. That's literally what they did. Um, So we we couldn't even do it there. But, yeah, it's kind of hard to explain. But the mooring up there was row G, as we call it. It was a row of 10 or 12 ships. And Iowa was outboard on the uh, east side and, uh, you know, had two big, uh, we call them NAVFAC, Naval Facilities Command, uh, anchors on the stern with chains and the two bowers out, you know, on, on the Iowa. So kind of wild. Um, in fact, I just reached out to uh, the guys up at Marad to see if there was any other NAVFAC anchors we might be able to get so I can get some kind of surge protection here. I'm kind of working on some some ideas there. So I think it's really worth it. You mean do-
2: double-end uh, on the anchor? I'm
1: basically figuring out a way to um, create a spring line system, if you will, using anchors and, and chains.
2: Gotcha. Uh, you know, so, gotcha. Because that's who you're really trying to stop. Is the, yeah. Uh, you know, that spring, spring lines of four and a half lines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that basically hold spring back, spring keep, yeah, keep the exactly. vessel from moving. Yeah, and,
1: and those are the ones that take a ton of strain. And in our mooring situation or, or arrangement, rather, is a little bit unique. Um, hard to explain. I won't get into it now. But and it's very difficult for us to moor. I mean, these these lines are seven thousand dollars a piece. They're about three and five eighths in diameter, so they're like eleven and something inches circumference. So they're really big lines. They're braided Sampson's, and they're really heavy when they're yeah, wet. Yeah, they're very heavy when they're wet. And um, You know, back in the Navy days, they would get 50 guys on the line and they would use, you know, I call them rope falls or rope poles and and basically, you know, cinch them up. For us, we literally use a chain fall. You know, we we use a five-ton chain fall. We've now developed what is essentially a um, 10-ton pneumatic winch to be able to uh, tighten them up. You, You literally have to use a winch to tighten these things. And uh, we can't really fairly eat any of our capstans either. Um, you know, it's just, it's a different animal. You know, these big ships, like the cruise ships and the container vessels, you know, they have constant tensioning, tensioning mooring lines. You know, they're, they have a system that just kind of holds them in place and it's always there. And it's, that's a, an awesome thing to, to have, but there's just no provision for that aboard a vessel 1943 vintage, you know.
0: We are going to break right there because we went on talking for about another 20 minutes so we're going to save the second half of this conversation for another podcast. As always thank you for joining us on Scuttlebutt we appreciate you and if you have any comments, questions, feedback topics you'd like us to discuss please shoot them over to podcast at labattleship.com that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at labattleship.com Thanks for being here and we'll catch you on the next episode of Scuttlebutt.